Hello and welcome to the special free preview episode of the Vorthos Cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labruzzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And I'm Chris Delano. I'm here too. When it's all five of us on here, we all just completely forget what order everything, because I don't even remember what order any of you go in. I'm so glad I'm first. It has been so long. Look, I it's okay to mess up. I'm using my hyphenated last name. I did not get married. Those are just both my parents' maiden. Not, I guess. <laughs> I guess my dad doesn't have a maiden name. It's both my parents' family names. I use them both. I'm trying to use them more professionally, so I should just start using them on the podcast. So, so today we have two special free preview cards from Wizards of the Coast uh, for the new set, Caldheim. So, our first card, uh, does, do one of you want to read off what it is? Because uh, Lorelai and I are going to be talking a lot. Our first preview card is Dogged Pursuit. It is an enchantment that costs three colorless and a black, um, and it is a common. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And the flavor text is, Kai had stalked countless horrific foes, but never one that killed with such callous precision and twisted creativity. And the art is has her in the cave where there are some skeletons and some etchings on the walls, and it's it's and she's got her daggers raised, Afro, Afro hawk. I don't know what they call that, but yeah, let's go with Afro hawk up, and it looks kind of good. She's out of focus because she's looks it looks really small, or because the cave is it's supposed to looks like it's supposed to be out of focus more on the cave than on Kaya. So the artwork here was uh, was done by the great Jason Rainville, who uh, gave us some great references that we don't have time to talk a ton about today, but we'll post them on, uh, on Twitter. So if you check out our Twitter feed, we will add all of that great art, and you can check out whatever else Jason has to add. Uh, I, I, basically, hey, the brief was... That's at the Vorthos cast, all one word. <laughs> I guess that would help, sure. The the brief for this was essentially, Kaya tracks an unseen monster through a cave. Who could this unseen monster be? Uh, There's a dynamic pose with her daggers out. She's stealthy but confident. There are big claw marks on the walls that have black ooze leaking out. And if possible, there are piles of bones that are odd or malformed. So he said his biggest problem was uh, depicting Kaya moving stealthily in a dangerous situation, but with confidence. And he did a bunch of sketches before he he settled on this one. Uh, (laughs) I I can't wait to share this picture because the reference is himself, which he shot in one of his uh, his mom's old leather jackets to get the Kaya piece. (laughs) Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, Which is pretty great. I think he um he really nailed the confident but stealthy pose. She's got like this she's crouched but she's like leaning forward and her head is up and looking forward and so she he he captured that perfectly in my opinion. So Magic Story is back. Uh this is a story spotlight for today's episode 1 of um uh of the Call Time story which is titled I should have looked that up first. Uh, so this is episode one, which is titled Travelers for the Kaldheim story. This is the story spotlight for this story. Uh, Kaya has been hired by a mysterious benefactor to track down a strange monster on the plain of Kaldheim. Uh, the cave 
we track her to that uh, she tracks the monster to is this cave we see here. Uh, if you've seen Kaya's Planeswalker art, and Vorinclex is no longer a secret, uh, she's she's been hired to track. I'm so glad <laughs> to he's track not a secret Klexi. anymore. Sexy Klexi is back. I don't have to keep <laughs> that one under wraps. Uh, so how exactly he's here is still a mystery. Uh, what the deal is, why he looks different, um, what was going on in this cave, those are all uh, very good questions that I can't answer for you right now. Uh, but keep paying attention to the story. Uh, and then, our, uh, I, what I also like about this is this is kind of the, they fitted, fit the Beowulf story in. So, um, Vornklex is like the, the Grendel of the story. Uh, and our, our hero Kaya is Beowulf tracking down the monster. Our next preview card is Open the Omen Path. It's an instant that costs... Two colors and a red, and it's a common, and it says, choose one. Add two mana of any one color and two mana of any an, any other color. Spend this mana only to cast creature or enchantment spells, or creatures you control get plus one plus zero until end of turn. And the art depicts uh, Tybalt in some kind of mazy path with his sword in his hand, and it looks like he's getting ready to walk through. I do not know if that's his sword. I will say that. <laughs> it is certainly a sword, and uh, it Tybalt's sword. holding it, so that makes it Tybalt's sword. Jay, are we allowed to say this? Oh, oh. It is, it is a sword. You may or may not have seen swords in the set, and he is opening omen paths with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh, what omen paths are in a little bit. but uh... there, There's a whole story coming out here, okay? Don't ask for it all right <laughs> yeah. now. This is the second story spotlight. Tybalt is there to spread joy and happiness across the realms. Wait, when you say when you say joy and <laughs> happiness, this is the same thing as you saying uh, Krenko's a legitimate businessman, right? That that's that, that's the same tone of voice that you're taking. Just well, so he's clear. spreading his own joy and happiness. It might not feel the same for others. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's the same tone of voice. Gotcha. <laughs> Look at my trash son gets to be a real villain. <laughs> Let's let's explain some of the meta, some of the world building of Kaldheim here. So, well, first of all, thanks again for those free preview cards, Wizards of the Coast. Uh, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the so, world building. Uh, real, real quick, I want I want to have like uh, two two little things I want to say. Uh, the first is a disclaimer. Uh, this is a disclaimer for one very specific person, uh, my wonderful uh, girlfriend Kate, who is Swedish. I just want to preempt and say, Kate, I'm sorry. We're going to say a lot of real and fantastical words rooted in Nordic languages, and I, I'm probably going to pronounce some things wrong. I apologize for that. You can hold this over <laughs> me forever. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to pronounce all of them wrong. So um, I'd like to apologize. Shout out to uh, some of our, our, our Nordic friends like uh, Birindbur and uh, uh Sene, uh, anyone else who might be listening to this? Sorry. <laughs> okay, let's talk. Which do you think the Nordic countries are? I don't know. They're all the ones that, that hang around looking like uh, genitalia at the top of Europe. <laughs> it's, it's any country with an alphabet that has an O with a slash through it. That's all the Nordic countries, right? Oh, no, but then Poland... And all right, Paraxia. I have no. Idea. No, Poland doesn't count. No, <laughs> no. All right, all right, all right. See, all our, all our, let's this say, our, all our Danes, all, all our Nordic 
<laughs> listeners, <laughs> Swedish listeners, okay, now, Finnish listeners, apologies. N- now, Kate, I apologize for Jay uh, saying that the Danes are part of your Nordic culture. Um, <laughs> you just upset. Wow. Jay, you set up all, upset the da- all the Swedes right now. Um, <laughs> wow. This is turning into an international incident, and I'm very uncomfortable. I just wanted to make a small joke for my partner. Did anybody else see this bedrock, or do we just keep digging through it? <laughs> anyway. Y'all, so. y'all. Vikings, Danes were Vikings. All right. That's why I said it. All right. Uh-huh. So the second part is, um, like most mythologies, Norse mythology comes from uh, a few scattered primary sources, mostly. Um there are a lot of local folklore things, but uh, a lot of stuff changes over time. And there's contradictory things uh, for Norse mythology specifically. A lot of stuff gets um, revised to play better to Christianity as it spreads through Europe. Um, there's a couple major primary sources, epic poems that a, a lot of Nordic myths come from. But there's also like a lot of local variations. So, uh, you know, like Greek mythology, where a different telling of a myth might have uh, a different character or describe that character differently or an event might happen a slightly different way. Uh, Norse mythology is the same. And we're going to touch on um, some of the world-building references, uh, especially when we talk about the the realms of Kaldheim. Uh, They don't line up one for one with realms in Norse mythology. And uh, stuff stuff gets interpreted in different ways, and we're going to talk about that. And uh, if, if you like anthropology and, you know, history of folklore and stuff, that's all very cool. And we're, we're, we're going to very lightly touch on some of that. But uh, I think we'll start with a core tenant of Norse mythology uh, and all the various pop culture iterations of it, and uh, including Kaldheim, which is uh, the idea of a world tree. So the, the world tree of Kaldheim uh, makes this a very unique plane because Kaldheim is essentially like a multiverse in miniature. Uh, It is a bunch of different realms that are connected together in the same plane and that mortals, through perilous journeys or through the opening of a pathway called an omen path, uh, can pass between the different realms. Now, these realms all orbit the uh the world tree in this i I guess orbits the wrong word because they're kind of on chaotic paths throughout the uh abstract space between the realms called the cosmos and occasionally they collide in something very ragnarok like called a doom scar uh and when a doom scar happens uh sometimes planes are uh i'm sorry sometimes realms are destroyed uh, frequently, there's an all-out war between the residents of the different planes. It's just, in general, a very bad thing. Different people have different abilities to travel throughout the cosmos. The gods can travel very... Uh, the, the gods, depending on their route, travel with difficulty. Uh, mortals, it's incredibly difficult unless you know where there's an omen path, and even then it's treacherous. Uh, but the mysterious shapeshifters uh, can do it fairly easily. So there's there's a difference between who can do what. Uh, yeah, so the cosmos are, are, if this is a mini multiverse, the, the cosmos are the Blind Eternities analog. They are extremely disorienting, very dangerous, because there's a lot of creatures born from the cosmos. Uh, you know, these 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 are the big cosmic monsters that you see in Norse mythology. So in Kaldheim, we have Koma, the cosmos serpent, and Sarulf, the realm eater, who are like... Um, Blanken on the world, Fenris and the world serpent, 
blanking on the name. I didn't write it down in our notes. Jorkel, J- Jormunder? Jorkelmunder? <laughs> Jorkelmunder. Okay, <laughs> no, it's Jormunder. It's, are, are, it's Jormunder. Are we going to see uh, Ghidorah, King of the Cosmos here? <laughs> I, 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 I hope. Uh, yeah, there is a giant... Uh, Mid, there's essentially a giant Midgard serpent who uh, is a a very very tough creature in the cosmos. Think of him as uh, Kaldheim's Okagachi. He's like this this massive serpent that inhabits the the space between the realms. Yeah, and and the cosmos um, can be traveled through, like we mentioned, and you know occasionally cosmos things will enter a realm and cause untold destruction. Uh, these these are like historic events. These these are the events where heroes are born and fables are written. Then there's gods are back, and uh, Norse mythology has uh, two two groups of gods who went to war and then kind of just kind of coexisted. That's not quite the case with Kaldheim. Uh, there used to be the Einar, the original gods. Um, some myths talk about them as creators, uh, some as destroyers. They used to rule Kaldheim until they were usurped by the Scoti, which are the, the current pantheon of gods. And uh, when the Scoti rose victorious, they took the surviving Einir and locked them away in these trees on the realm of Skemfar, and the uh, the original Einir gods gave rise to the um, cultures of the elves. So there, the elves are kind of descendants of these original gods. Uh, and the, the, the Scoti, the current gods, they can die. Uh, this is Greek mythology. You know, in Ragnarok, the gods will die. They're just going to get murked. Well, it's Norse mythology. Or, what did I say? <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Greek. Well, look, <laughs> we did just get done with the big Theros thing uh, last year. I, I'm calling Kaldheim Kaladesh. Now I'm saying Greek mythology. It does it's whatever. My brain's a mess. I have ADHD. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So uh, these 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 are gods that can die. Uh, they live very long lives uh, due to an elixir that they create from the world tree. Uh, it's also the thing that gives them their magical powers. But they, they also work with a magical substance called Tyrite, which is made from the sap of the world tree that uh, bears the same uh, Aurora Borealis glowness to it that uh, the, the, the gods have and the cosmos creatures have. And um, it's all shiny and pretty, and it's pretty neat looking. So uh, what I should also mention is that those original elven gods and the elves themselves they have a great respect for the cosmos monsters, as the humans call them, uh, whereas the, the human gods uh, view them as, as rivals and enemies. So there are also uh, 10 currently known realms of, uh, of Kaldheim. Many of these mirror the the nine worlds uh, of the world tree in Norse mythology. Uh, some of you, some of which you might know from like a Thor movie, but we'll we'll explain a little bit about what each one is here. Uh, the first one is Istfel. It is the uh, it is one of the realms of the dead, like Niflheim and Helheim. Uh, it's the home of spirits, you know, like the normal spirits, uh, where where normal dead people go. Uh, and it's also where the roots of the world tree are. So you see the the world tree is based around that Istfel. There's a huge wall on Istfel. 
that protects the main land of the spirits uh, from marauding forces should there be a, a doom scar or, or creatures travel throughout the realms. Yeah, uh, this is, um, the, the wall is a thing that's part of uh, the Norse goddess Hell's Fortress. That's kind of one of the borrowed things from Helheim, which is like a later interpretation of one of these realms of the dead in, in Norse mythology. Um, the Niflheim references are come more from uh, the, the coldness and the mists and kind of the, the primordial mystery of the realm. The, the, the spirits here are kind of bored and just regular folks, pretty mundane. Stuff isn't very exciting. It's just like... <laughs> Carfell is not... This is kind of the other Niflheim Helheim. Or uh, Niflheim... This is the other Niflheim Helheim type place. Uh, Carfell is... Uh, so e each realm has its own creature civilization. Uh, Carfell is the home of the zombies uh, called the Draugr. Uh, they were... Uh, an ancient king struck a bargain with the god of death to turn him and all his people into these undead zombies who are voracious treasure hoarders, greedy and villainous. They have uh, multiple lifetimes worth of uh, treasure vaults from raids. And uh, they they are uh, talented cryomancers uh, due to the Jokul Glacier, which is the source of, like, unmelting frost magic uh and uh that glacier is in a mountain range known as skybreen which this this is our one called <gasps> reference from before this set uh the the plane chase card uh <laughs> skybreen is in uh this realm yeah cool that's a that's a thing you know is is skybreen what uh what Watley saw when she tried to planeswalk off of ixalan she sees Girapur. Angrath says that Kaldheim is nearby. Oh. Mm, that's right. Okay. This definitely seems like a plane where uh, Angrath would uh, be, be at home. <laughs> he'd, he'd like to party. <laughs> yeah. So next up is Immersturm, which was not a Kaldheim location, but was created in the same plane chase set, uh, attributed to a plane called Vala. Well, Immersturm is a realm on Kaldheim. Uh, it is the uh, Muspelheim uh, yeah. equivalent. It's the, the, fiery, the fiery land. It is not the land of fire giants, though. It is the land of demons and war and fire and lightning. Uh, and it was warded by gods, the gods to keep the demons in. Uh, because when those demons get out and get out onto other planes, they cause havoc, which we'll talk about in just a second. So I'm expecting Havoc Demon reprint here. <laughs> um, there are a couple cards. Uh, the cards that took place on uh, Immersturm or Vala, uh, like Warstorm Surge, are um, probably are now uh, retroactively Kaldheim cards. So, just FYI, we've had call time cards before. Technically, sort of. Uh, that's the power of retcons. No, uh, Immerstorm is really cool. Yeah. It's like the heavy metal world. Like, the entire landscape is charred black yes. with fire and lightning. It looks like the cover of a metal album. Uh, the demon horns sometimes go out and then straight up like the, uh, you know, like the classic Hollywood Viking helmets. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty awesome. 
next we have Notvold, which uh, mythologies get interpreted a lot of ways and translated a lot of ways, and uh, academics have a lot of arguments over things. Uh, the closest thing uh, to an analog of Notvold is um, uh, Jotunheim, the, the realm of giants. Uh, the trick with a lot of Nordic texts is that um, a handful of words get thrown around and it's really unclear if they are referring to giants or trolls or if these are the same things or if they're different things and they all get used to, by all the same words. Uh, but trolls are the civilization here. Uh, very rough civilization, quotation marks. Uh, there is very little actual civilization on Notvold. It's mostly wild, uh, wild mountains and forests. But uh, there are ruins of an ancient giant civilization. Uh, although the trolls are the only known native residents, um, so the giants would have to come from their home to build a civilization, which then crumbled. And uh, we're seeing two different kinds of trolls here. We have uh, kind of small, small chaotic trolls. Uh, you're like filling in a similar niche that goblins play in a lot of uh, magic planes uh, and then we have like the big classic sleepy trolls um, the kinds that will uh, you know the sun will come out and they'll take a nap on a hillside and they'll wake up a hundred years later and someone will have built a bridge on them because they just blend right into the landscape they're meaner versions of the frozen trolls no, like Frozen is literally tapping into the same, um, <laughs> yes, the same. Trust yes, space. exactly. So they're like the stony, stony trolls. Yeah. Yep. And uh, but but otherwise, this is like the most wildernessy of of the realms. So then we have Bredegard, which is the Midgard or Earth equivalent. Uh, it is the realm of humans, the Vikinger, the Vikings. Uh, so there are humans on Bredegard are divided into five clan, five clans. There's the Beskir, which are, uh, the defenders of the code, which is like the, the rule of law for the Vikings. There are the omen seekers who are like the navigators and the seas around their, uh, around their land. The Skell, who are, or Skelle, I'm not sure how we're supposed to pronounce that, who are the raiders, uh, and were formed... When a certain legendary demon that's already been previewed, whose name escapes me at the moment, escaped the Immersturm and wreaked havoc across Bredegard, uh, and just cut a bloody swath through the plain, and these were his followers who hope he will come back one day. So they're obviously the Black-Aligned clan. There is the Tuscari, who are the kind of the hedonist braggarts. They are the... Um, they're the Vikings who are going out and doing incredibly stupid things and yelling YOLO uh, <laughs> uh, so that they can get into the sagas because storytelling and boasting and bragging is very important. Um, and then there's the Kana, who are these wanderers who have been cursed to have this like winter, perpetual winter follow them wherever they go. So they're a nomadic tribe of the, uh, the forests of Bredegard. Yeah, the the idea is that um, the these five big clans and smaller subclans all have an accord that they signed. Although the the scale kind of broke that accord, and now are like, hey, the land we live on is dumpy swamps, and we can't grow food, and we can't build houses, so we're just gonna loot stuff from all y'all. Uh, and and are they're they're kind of the main antagonistic Viking force within uh, Bredegard. Then we have probably 
my favorite, which is uh, Starnheim. And um, sort of an Asgard analog. Uh, Asgard is very tricky, depending on which myths you read. It's either a whole big realm with a bunch of things in it, or it's like a supra realm with smaller realms in it. Um, Starnheim is most heavily leaning on Valhalla stuff. Uh, there is a, in the toppest, toppest branch, uh, also known as the top branches. I know how to conjugate words. Um, the, 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 uh, I'm a, it's, I'm a it's writer. The peak. Canopy? Yeah, there we go. There's a word I could have used. Uh, in the canopy of the world tree is is Starnheim, uh, and and the hall of heroes, the hall of the Valkyries, where where those deemed heroic who have died a hero's death uh, get to spend an eternity feasting and telling stories and commiserating with other heroes. This is uh, as hall of the Valkyries would imply, the home of the Valkyries, who in this set are represented as angels. There is a light. Uh, in in the sky that uh, forms the shape of a glyph. You may have seen it in a couple cards already, especially the land cards. Uh, this is the Light of Starnheim. Uh, this permeates the entire plane. Uh, there is no sun. Um, light light comes down from the top of the world tree, and you know while it can like barely make it into Istfel on 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 the roots, um, it. Uh, kind of splashes and cascades through all the realms. And uh, the Valkyries are split into two different uh, jobs, basically. The Shepherds and the Reapers. Uh, seen the white and black previewed angels, so I bet you can figure out how this goes. Uh, and <laughs> what happens is the, the Shepherds are the angels who really want to advocate, advocate for heroes. Like, hey, Look at this. Look how heroic this person is. They definitely deserve to, like, get a place up in uh, up in our halls. And the Reapers are, oh, look how cowardly this person is. They, not only are they not a hero, they do not deserve to continue their life. They're so cowardly and will kill people on the battlefield. Uh, this balances out because Shepherds and Reapers travel in pairs. And in order for someone to uh, be allowed up into the Halls of the Valkyries, both the Shepherd and Reaper pair have to agree that they've uh, lived and died a hero. God, they're so cool. Their wings are so pretty. Their wings are all glowy and glow rainbow colors. And uh, that's kind of a, a Bifrost reference. And uh, they're they're wonderful. I, I like the Valkyries a lot. And we should note the gods do not hold sway in Starnheim. So it's not like Valhalla uh, proper where it's, you know, the god, the, the Valkyries work for the gods and, and choose the heroes. Uh, the gods themselves, when they eventually die, will be judged by these Valkyries, and it's only then that they will get access into Starnheim themselves. But yeah, also, Starnheim is the uh, star on top of the Yuletide tree. That is Kaldheim. Uh, so, Sertland is our combination Jotunheim, Muspelheim. Uh, it is the land of both frost and fire giants. Uh, who are constantly feuding in their fiery, volatile realm uh, that is like glaciers and icebergs with constant volcanic activity everywhere. Uh, the frost giants, uh, like like their secrets, they're much more of a um, organized society, while the fire giants are much more chaotic and they tend to just be fighters. They're greedy. And greedy. Like, like the frost <laughs> giants are like, hey... 
we have all these accomplished mages and that know all kind of magical secrets. And the fire giants are like, gimme, gimme, gimme. And the frost giants are like, no. And then they have a big fight about it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we have Skemfar, which is... Elves in Norse mythology are very complicated. Uh, for a lot of translation things, we'll talk about that with the uh, the next realm also. But uh, So we have Skemfar, which is... Uh, if you want to talk about references from Norse mythology, it's kind of Alfheim, it's kind of uh, Svartalfheim, it's kind of Vanaheim. Uh, Vanaheim was the uh, realm of the other group of gods, the Vanir, who were uh, gods of uh, wisdom and fertility. And that's the the Einir are kind of their analog in this set. So obviously Alfheim and Svartalfheim are roughly being like, hey, the place where the elves are and the place where the dark elves are. Um, that's that's this. Uh, the elves, when uh, they populated this world, were split into wood elves and shadow elves. Uh, those two clans now are reunited for the first time in a long time uh, under uh, King Harold, who is uh, Tyvar Kell's older brother. Tyvar is one of our new planeswalkers. Like I mentioned in the gods section, the defeated uh, Einir were trapped and imprisoned in these Jespera trees. Seven gigantic sacred trees across the realm. Uh, and you can still see their body, twisted bodies uh, imprisoned in the wood. The elves, uh, as, as Jay mentioned, uh, revere the cosmos uh, and, and the cosmic beings that dwell within it. Uh, but Coma, the world serpent, uh, the cosmos serpent above all. Uh, Skemfar is dotted with serpent tunnels where Coma has uh, traveled historically. Um, they incorporate a lot of his scale patterns into their art and clothing and uh, hairstyles um, and uh, create poisons to try and mimic the cosmos serpent's own venoms. One of my favorite things about Tyvar, he has uh, these tattoos on his chest, which are uh, reminiscent of the the Cosmos Serpent, and uh, likes to think that his uh, his daggers on his arm are kind of uh, representations of the Cosmos Serpent's fangs. So they they really hate the Scoti, the the new pantheon of gods. They are very bitter, and they feel like they've been cheated out of um, their divine reign over Kaldheim. Axgard. This is uh, essentially Nidaveller? Nidavellir? How would you say that? I have no idea how to say that. Uh, this is the realm of the dwarves. Um, in in Norse mythology, you know, the, the dwarves are historically like the forge, the forge masters. They're the artisans, the master craftsmen. Uh, that has led that has carried over into uh most dwarven uh what's what's what i'm looking for most dwarven myths including like fantasy like lord of the rings uh well it, it's easy to explain why because you know the 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 norse imported a lot of their uh folklore when they repeatedly invaded britain <laughs> years and years ago and uh, that was pulled by Tolkien when he was writing the books. Yeah, uh, it's a little tricky because there's some debate about whether or not the Dark Elves, as described in uh, 
Nordic poems are actually dwarves or what the deal is with those. Some treat them like the same creatures, some don't. Uh, so you, whether dwarves have this their own realm or whether... So like... Uh, one of the things that changes in, yeah, there's nine realms. Uh, well, well, which nine are the nine realms depends on who you're reading. Uh, there are some that say Svartalfheim is its own realm um, where the dwarves live. Some say it's part of Alfheim and all the elves lives there. Or, uh, you know, it's it's very complicated. Uh, but on Kaldheim, it's easy because the dwarves are different from the shadow elves and they have their own realm. Who wrote Gate on here? <laughs> look it's a whole realm dedicated to dwarves if there's gonna be a dwarven gate that goes anywhere i mean i'm just Get saying here. <laughs> so <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up because like it is the viking realm the viking world which with seafarers and the dwarves of uh what the heck is the name of that world with Baron Singh? Ugratha. Ugratha. <laughs> uh, we're seafarers, so who knows? But these dwarves in particular are from Axgard, which is a um, pretty much just all mountain range. It's like three different mountain ranges surrounded by like rocky flat flatland. Uh, there are very few trees, and above ground, it doesn't seem like there's anything there. But below ground, there's the City of Eight Doors, uh, which can only be accessed through those eight doors. And that is where all of the dwarves reside and build uh, in the center of that city. They mine their gold from a, ch a chasm far below. Uh, it is it is overall a pretty cool looking, looking place. Uh, they're known to be like the weaponsmiths in magic terms. They're the artificers, uh, which I really like. Uh, and also the skalds, or the uh, the storytellers and poets of... Um, the best skalds. The best skalds, yes. Uh, if you look at Battle of the Skalds, is that has is that an actual mm -hmm. preview or is that a lead? That okay. is an actual preview. It, uh, showdown, yes. So if you look at Showdown of the Skalds, you might notice that the two skalds there are, uh, are fairly short. That's because I believe they're supposed to be dwarves. Especially because they're red-white and the dwarves in this set are red-white aligned. Uh, so the last realm is uh, Lityara, which um, mostly doesn't have an analog. Uh, it, there's some Niflheim things going on as this like primordial realm of creativity, but it's not like cold. It's weird. Uh, it is the realm of the shapeshifters, where uh, not only are the people uh, constantly changing their shape, the reality itself is very flexible. Trees grow at odd angles and will shift. Uh, pathways through the forests are like labyrinths. The uh, There's this huge lake that uh, the surface of the lake isn't even flat. It uh, It's a concave. There are mysterious waters, mysterious rituals. People don't really know much about the shapeshifters. There are a lot of legends about where they came from. But what is true? Not many people know. It's a very strange realm where the barrier between it and the cosmos is thinner. Um, so uh, one of the reasons the shapeshifters can seemingly travel through the cosmos very easily is they can take on this aurora-like form and kind of blend in with the rest of the cosmic entities. And uh, there, there's one section of, of Lityara that is not 
that is not shifting. It is static. And it's, there's this huge depression, which is said to be left over from when the uh, Aenir created the realm. A legend. Who knows if it's true. But this is magic, so a legend could be a legend, or a legend could just be the truth. Maybe one day we'll yeah. find out. <laughs> and so what's important to recognize here is that these ten realms are not the only realms that have ever existed or will ever exist. So there's actually a, an 11th realm, the God's Realm, where the Scoti uh, hail from, uh, or where they reside, I should say. It's not really clear which is which. Uh, but we know this realm exists because the God's Hall, where they uh, <laughs> actively live, was transported by Valky, the God of Lies, the actual God of Lies, not... Um, someone who might be on the back of his card <laughs> into Istfel and it's kind of just hanging at the top of Istfel from the <laughs> from the roots of the world tree uh and the gods being the 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 Norse inspired gods that they are uh no one has really gotten organized enough to to put it back where it belongs yet uh there are because of the nature of um Call time. There are also other realms that we've never heard of that have been destroyed in like a doom scar, and that's how the people of the realms know that doom scars are very dangerous. Yeah, the this is why like Starnheim isn't like it's it's very specifically Valhalla. It's not really Asgard in general. Uh, there is a separate God's realm that is more Asgardy. You know the the house uh, that the god the Scoti live in is. A big glamorous structure like you might see in more traditional Asgard mythology. The last thing to note is outside of Bredegard, which has humans in all five colors, uh, each realm is home to a color paired tribe uh, with the colors both complementing each other and having like distinct differences. So we talked about the small and big trolls, those will be uh, aligned with their colors. Uh, we talked about, you know, the, the dwarves of Axgard being white and red, um, the elves of Skemfar, the wood elves and the shadow elves are the green and black elves, uh, <clears throat> the giants of Sirtland, uh, the frost is obviously blue and the fire are red. So you'll see a lot of that as you go. And it's kind of a cool dynamic on each plane, on each realm. I mean, I, I keep wanting to say plane because <laughs> they're, they're like distinct sort entities. of are... I, I really like the mini multiverse model where like, hey, we're taking principles of what we know about general magic cosmology and kind of making a little microcosm of it that has its own unique principles and problems, uh, but also gets to explore some of the ideas that are explored elsewhere in magic. All right. So let me just mention the glistening oil in the room for a second. So, Vorinclex is a card on Kaldheim that has been previewed, and I'm so glad it was previewed because I can actually say this. Uh, we will have an episode talking about the history of New Phyrexia to get people caught up, because a lot of you, I, I have to imagine, I know in the community in general, a lot of people started around Magic Origins or later, uh, which means you missed New Phyrexia by about five years and Mirrodin by about 15. So, I feel so old And the now. Invasion Saga by about 20. So uh, <laughs> we'll talk about New Phyrexia. We do, if you want to catch up a little bit on what Phyrexia is, we have some older episodes uh, that talk about like the Weatherlight Saga. If you look at our episodes 74, 75, and 76, we talk a lot about that. Uh, we also talk a lot about Phyrexia in our episode talking about the history of Joyra, Teferi, and Karn, which is 
way back in episode five and probably something we want to eventually re-record because we were not at our best back then but it's still a pretty good episode hey hey jay do you want to do you want to feel really old for a second no there there are people who who uh are going to be turning 18 this year who uh were born after the release of mirrodin oh no mirrodin i thought you were going to say invasion mirrodin there are people who this. are listening to this podcast right now who might be patrons of our Patreon who have credit cards and are paying to paying us money who are born after the entirety of the Weatherlight saga and invasion. Yeah, so we uh we'll we'll talk about that more as we go. Uh we have a few minutes yet. Uh, if any of you that can speculate want to speculate on what you think's going on with Vorinclex. Uh, but obviously, Lorelai and I can't talk about it. There are so many interesting speculations floating around the Vorthos sphere right now, and I am uh, I am excited to figure out why he's there, or if he's if that's actually Vorinclex, or if it's like a uh, someone on the the Twitterverse or maybe in our Discord said that there's a potential, you know, uh, that the glistening oil made its way to Kaldheim somehow, and Vorinclex is coded into the glistening oil. And he was reborn there, uh, which would make sense because if you look at the art of his card, he's got that sort of like the that sort of like knot work that you would expect from like a Viking or a Celtic sort of representation uh, that he doesn't have on his normal card. I think it's really cool. I'm excited to learn and find out what's going on because my uh, first reaction when this card was, um, I guess we can say this, the, there was a leak and this card was amongst them. And when I first saw it, I went, no, there's no way this this doesn't make any sense. It was really frustrating because this was supposed to be like a big reveal. And then, of course, it was in with all of the all of the leaks. And yeah, I will. I will say I I definitely was ready to accept that it was a fake somehow that someone had made some really good fan art of Warren Clex years ago. And it just got made into like a fake card. But uh turns out it's real. The reveal of Vorinclex has me all sorts of confused, because, like, this was not the way I would have anticipated getting our first hint of New Phyrexia. Um, I'm excited to possibly see Koth in the near future, uh, after years of him not being here. But as far as why Vorinclex is here, like, I have this sneaking suspicion that somehow Tezzeret is out there testing his portal abilities, and might just be using Phyrexians as a way to jab at certain members of the Gatewatch or their allies, a.k.a. Teferi and um, Karn, but is also testing his limits and capabilities. But I don't know. It's weird because they couldn't portal living things previously. So I don't know. it's, It's super confusing. I'm super intrigued, and I can't wait to see how this unfolds. Yeah, I think spinning off of that, I saw some speculation that he would have been able to be transported through Tezzeret, but the any organic matter in him would have been obliterated, and then that's why he's absorbing new organic matter. I'm not fully subscribed to that theory. Probably from least likely to most likely, I would put Tezzeret's portal arm, because I don't think they'll drag Tezzeret into anything else um, this immediately, and especially with Phyrexia, like, we already have other planeswalkers that want to be like forcefully associated with Phyrexia, so it kind of seems not as strong of a connection. Above that, and more likely, we have planar portals being 
or some kind of planar technology on Mirrodin being reverse engineered, be that from Venser's journal or from the existing Memnarch soul traps that were just like left and abandoned on the plane. Above that, I have Tybalt using Chaos Sword because he wants to, <laughs> which, which honestly seems like the most likely. And also, if this is an organized effort where Tybalt is playing a larger role, like obviously we do not know Tybalt's full list of motivations right now beyond liking Chaos, but liking Chaos can only get you so far. So if he's associated with other Planeswalkers, and if there's other people who are aware of that effort, they would be the ones to pay Kaya to go investigate and kill and hunt this creature. And long, long, long-term speculation, I expect to see... This is this is a baseless claim, but Tybalt, with some other association, who are actively just sowing chaos in the multiverse for whatever ends, and then Kazmina, who knows that this is incoming and is trying to recruit planeswalkers against Phyrexia. I don't think that's the fullest potential of Kazmina. I still think there's a lot bigger multiverse threats that they can do aside from Phyrexia to like have her pretty much farming planeswalker sparks to try to uh, get forces. But at the same time, like I'm basing this off nothing. So I think this would be interesting. I don't think it's necessarily super duper likely. And I'm just kind of, as somebody who likes to sow chaos, I do, I do enjoy <laughs> seeing Tybalt there. I'm just at a loss of what the end goal is. So so the last thing I want to mention before we sign off today is uh, by the time you're listening to this last week, there was an active insurrection in the U.S. Capitol where individuals uh, or a specific individual uh, with a lot of Norse inspired white supremacist Im- imagery did a lot of stupid stuff in, in the Capitol. Uh, a lot of people got hurt in this event. I think it's up to like five people dead right now was the last count I saw. So there is an unfortunate association uh, between white supremacy and uh, a lot of Norse myth, Norse culture. Uh, and if you're one of them, please launch yourself into the sun. Um, I really mean that. Don't turn off our podcast. We hate you. The, the actual sun, not Starnheim. You don't yep. go to Starnheim. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual sun and burn slowly as you approach it after suffocate. I don't know. But I will say call time. We we haven't at the by the time we're recording this, uh the they haven't revealed too many cards yet, but I will say call time is really gonna piss you off if you're one of those people. It's gonna piss off a lot of racists uh once more cards are revealed. Um yes. because there are People of color, black people, uh, in in call time, uh, including among the gods. And uh, yeah, I love it. And if you hate it, please feel free to keep your mouth shut and go away. I live for these tears. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So do we want to do any final thoughts? We were at like 51 minutes. We can just, I don't, unless anyone has anything really pressing. Well, here's here's a great opportunity for you to use a creative transition after that one. <laughs> <sighs> no, no, no. I'll I'll set you up for a good one. With the threat of Vorinclex on Kaldheim, this isn't a job for Kaya. Like, let's just let's just get that out there. She needs somebody more powerful. 
she needs somebody who has proven killing capabilities. I think she needs to go enlist the help of the Demir assassin at, at Coast Tar. Oh my and god. Take him to Oh my god, why? <laughs> kill Vorinclex. Well, I'm saying that episode one, I think they could have killed Vorinclex on the spot if if you had a little uh, Dovin Bond killing magic going at it. Carrie, you <sighs> promised this was going to set set up a segue into talking about our Patreon and Discord. I don't know. You had racism or you had Forsaken. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But speaking of our Patreon and Discord, uh, you know, now that I've mentioned them, I might as well say... If you like our podcast and would like us to keep making it and want to help support us for the work we're doing, you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and start supporting us today. Everyone who does gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are immersed in previous season. It's one of the most exciting and active times on our uh, Discord server. We have a wonderful community with a, a lot of different thoughts, racing around, making predictions, enjoying ideas. The stories have already started. If you want a place to discuss those, we have that here too. It's great. We love our Discord community. We want all y'all who uh, who uh, listen out there to be part of it. And uh, that's really easy to do. And normally we have on uh, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time is when we record. And normally we have live listens. We, uh, we did not this week. Sorry, live listeners. Uh, we don't do live listens for preview episodes for very obvious reasons. But uh, normally that is a thing that happens too, and uh, that's uh, at a higher ticket level. Uh, so uh, thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You are uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful folks. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast. <laughs>